Hello everybody and welcome to a special edition of the Glory Glory podcast. I'm your host as always, Kyle Quinn, uh, one of my regular co-hosts Nigel joins me and today we have a special guest in Manchester United here, Willie Morgan. How's it going Willie? You know, it's going really good. Uh, obviously the weather's fantastic, um, my golf's good, which is very important. The only thing that isn't good, of course, <laughs> is my old team. It's uh, kind of heartbreaking at the moment. But other than that, things are good and I'm Still waiting on uh, Callum McFadden, not Callum, it'd be Brian. Callum's the lad I do the uh, podcast with, my podcast. I play a lot of golf with Brian McFadden. All right, do you? Yeah. What's the handicap these days, Willie? A playoff eight. That's very good. Fourteen was the best I ever got, so it's pretty good. Well, it's all right. Not bad for an old man. Yeah. uh, Hanging on in there, you know. So... Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, just quiet. Being, we had a heavy night last night. Uh, we went round to visit a, a friend of ours uh, for half an hour, and ended up staying the night. Uh, and we went round <laughs> at five o'clock. We went round at five o'clock <laughs> for half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so just been lying in the garden recovering today. And when when we finish the show, uh, I'm going to pop out and play a few holes. I'm back onto the golf course here at the Mere. Where I, where I play, it's my you know my home. Oh, course. that's pretty handy. That's good. Yeah, you can get nine holes even during the winter. Then if you're uh, in the winter, just yeah, I, I actually go on the fourth tee, so I start the fourth tee and work my way around, Nigel, as Very best good. I can. Very good. Well, Willie, I'm going to talk about your arrival at Old Trafford and, and a period after that. Kyle later on will talk to you about the current developments, the new manager's arrival, and what our hope is for yeah. season 2022-23. Um, when when you signed from Burnley in, in 1968, what was the first indication? Was who was was Bertie Me the manager at Burnley at that time, or who? who oh, no, the, the manager was Harry Potts. I remember Harry Potts. Yeah, Harry Potts. The um, I joined I joined Burnley in 1960. They just won the league. They were the champions. Yeah, Jimmy McElroy played for them then, didn't he? Jimmy Jimmy was playing. Yes, he was great player. Jimmy inside right, he was. You don't have them anymore. No, <laughs> all, no. All those positions have gone. Well, sadly, um, yeah. But they, they Burnley were, were great. Uh, had a great time there. And then I fell out with the chairman, Bob Lord. And I, they, they wouldn't let me train. It was the end of the season and uh, we, we couldn't come to an agreement over a new contract. Right. And then Bob Lord got really nasty. Uh, and then they banned me from going to the ground. And oh. in the end, they, uh, we, they put, put me up for sale. What they wanted to do, you know, back then, it was completely different. We did, there were no agents. Right. Nobody had an agent. Uh, and if you asked for a transfer, you didn't get anything. If you didn't ask for a transfer and got transferred, you got 10% of the transfer fee. Right. So what Bob Lord wanted me to do was ask for a transfer, put it in writing, and, say, and I said, no. Right. no. Just skin, you know, we didn't have any money anyway. Yeah. And 10%, I knew, you know, roughly what I was uh, going to be going for, around about the, the 100,000 mark. Uh, so it was like 10 grand. I could have bought a row of houses with 10 grand back then, Nigel. <laughs> of you course, know? of course. Well, um, was, Lord, was Bob Lord direct with you about the, the Manchester United interest or did he play? No, no. Nope. No, what what they did, they they would 
contact me. Don't forget, there's no mobile phones back then. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a phone. We, we lived in a, <laughs> in a room above a shop. Yeah. I was going to say it was a flat, but it wasn't. It was a room above a shop. So we didn't have a phone. And they used to pop over. Jimmy Anderson would come over and say, oh, Chelsea's been in for you. Do you want to speak to this? No, no, no. I was contacted by Don Revy. Really? At the mm-hmm. time. And he, he came over uh, to my... I was in Diggs. We were in Diggs, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came over and said... Uh, would I like to come to Leeds? And I said, of course, I'd like to go to Leeds. Obviously, I knew Billy Bremner, Johnny Giles. Great team, you know, back then. Wonderful team, yeah. And um, I said, okay. He said, well, Burnley are asking 100,000. He said, what we're we're going to do, we've offered them 70,000. But there's 15,000 for you. All right. So, of course, it's like five grand more than it would get the temp. Yes, I see, yeah. But, uh, I, I said, okay. He says, well, you can ask for a transfer. doesn't matter. We will we will give you 15 grand in cash. Right. A lot of money in those days. No. It, Nigel, it, I would have been a millionaire. I was fortune. It mm-hmm. was a fortune. I could pay the bookies off. All the bookies <laughs> I owed. <laughs> like myself. Yeah. Oh, hey, tell me. And so I didn't hear anything from Burnley at all. So they, they contacted me again, uh, Don Raven said, has Burnley, I said, no, no one said a thing. He said, well, why don't you go over and talk to the manager? Mm-hmm. So I went over, I drove over, went in. I said, has anyone else been in for me? No. So, because Bob Lord hated the, I think it was Manny Cousins was the chairman of Leeds, and Bob Lord hated, they hated them. They hated each other, and so he said, "No." I said, "Please, Mr. Potts, as we called him, you know, tell me the truth. Has Leeds been in?" No. <laughs> so I said, well, I know they have. How do you know? Have they tapped you up? I said, "No." But I know they have. Um, and this went on and on and on. And John Revy said, look, don't worry. Just sit it out. Eventually, if you keep refusing to go anywhere else, they'll have to sell you to us. Um, and it went on through the summer. And then on a Friday night, I'd been playing golf. I lived in a little place called Bakeup. Uh, okay. And uh, they had a nine-hole golf course in Baker. And we, uh, it was, I'd gone out late afternoon. So it would be, and this would be Octoberish. I can't remember exactly, September, October. And it was going, it was just going dark. It was about seven o'clock. It was just going dark. And I seen this guy, he's got a trilby, trench coat, the collar up, walking up. I'm playing the ninth hole. Mm-hmm. And it's par three. I've got a wedge in my hand, and I see the guy. And I thought, some I thought Bob Lord had sent someone to get. <laughs> <laughs> really, mm. so I've got my wedge in my hand. Is, I'm not stupid, but it's true. And the guy's walking up. So I'm walking off, and I said, "Don't come any further, babe. You know, I've got a wedge. 
and I have no hesitation about using it. And he said, no, no, what's, no, 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 no. He said, uh, I've been sent from, uh, Matt Busby has sent me to ask if you would come over to, it was a Friday, come over to Old Trafford tonight to chat to him. We want to sign you. And I said, yeah, 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 sure. So, thought it was a wind-up. <laughs> so, no, I followed them down. And it was, it was right. So I followed him over to... Um, to Old Trafford, and I was met by Jimmy Murphy. Jimmy met me right. and uh, said, go on, son, come out here. Took me into the director's box and said, Look, the pitch is all lit up. They were playing Chelsea the following day on the Saturday. And so he said, see that? Paradise. Just go in and see Mr. Busby and get it sorted. I said, oh, okay. So I went in and uh, I said, well, we've been in touch with Burnley and we've agreed a fee of 117,000. I said, okay, uh, but I don't, I'm not asking for a transfer, you know, I'm, I'm not good. So he said, that's not a problem, don't worry, we've sorted that with Burnley. And he said, would you like to come here? Uh, yes, of course, I'd love to come here. Anything you want? I said, well, you know, play number seven. He said, yeah, yeah, no problem. George will go on the left wing and play number 11. Okay. Anything you'd like to ask? Uh, and I'm thinking, how much are you going to pay me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he said, I said, um, uh, um, no, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, he said, okay, well, said, we'll get the contract sorted out. Can you come back tomorrow? Uh, of course. So I got home and my, my wife, Pat, who's since passed away, uh, said, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I've, I'm going to sign for them. So she said, okay, what about Leeds? I said, well, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to sign for them. She said, well, what's they going to pay you? And I said, I didn't like to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you didn't like to ask him? Yeah. The I women are more practical, aren't they, Willie? Honestly, no, he made me the highest paid player in Britain. Hi, marvellous. Well, Willie, when, 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 you, when you arrive at Old Trafford and you know the setup with the wing play, which is a tradition of our club, mm -hmm. and uh, did you settle in pretty quickly? You, you looked to me as if you weren't overawed by the team that had won the European Cup in the previous well, no, no, First Division no. Championship. No, I wasn't overawed. I mean, at the time, I was rated the best right winger, you know, in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why they paid a record fee. And the fact that Busby wanted to buy me, I wasn't overawed uh, with anything like that. Uh, in fact, one of the, the things that I was overawed about was meeting Paddy Crern off the pitch because he's one of my heroes. I'm a Celtic supporter. Who <laughs> are you? Right, very good. Yeah. And... Um, Meeting Paddy, I've only ever been, you know, we played against them, I played against them lots of times. And I think the previous time we played, Burnley played them, we beat them 6 1. Yes, yeah, so you scored twice in that game, didn't you? I scored twice and made yeah. four for Andy Lockhead. He Did got you really? four goals. Or, uh, he was a Scottish centre forward, I remember Andy Lockhead. Yeah, uh, sadly, sadly, just passed away, you know. Uh, great centre forward. 
Anyway, so I said, but I'll find out tomorrow when I go back. I'll definitely ask. So she said, well, you know, we need some money. We're not getting, got no money because Bernie <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went back on the Saturday morning. I said they were playing, they were Chelsea. playing Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So it was about 11 o'clock. So I went in. So the gaffer said, Are you happy? I said, Yeah, happy. Um, I said, Okay. And so he got on the phone. Les Olive was the, the secretary. So, Mr. Olive, could you bring the contract? And there was five sets of the same contract. Right. So I thought, well, when I get the contract and sign it, of course, I'll see what they're going to pay me. But mm-hmm. he didn't do that. He just <laughs> signed there, took a sign there, and, and I'm trying to look. To cut a long story short, I signed for Man United for a record fee, and I didn't know what they were going to pay me. Right. And I didn't find out till I got a copy of my. Oh, I said, oh, can I take my contract? He said, oh no, we have to. Get it ratified. You have to. You mm-hmm. get it on Monday when you mm-hmm. come in there. Oh, well, whatever they paid you, Willie, you were full value. Now you very quickly became a fan's favorite. Uh, were you aware of that at the time, or did it not dawn on you till later in your career when you retired? No, no, I knew that very quickly. They used to sing the song, and of course, everyone. The first song they sang when the team came out. If it, if it was a singer song. myself, I'd sing it now, but I'll I'll pass on this one, Willie. Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, they, they eventually made a record, 10 CC. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. 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 So, no, I, I knew how, how much affection they had, the fans had. And as I said, to this day, hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Hasn't changed one bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fans are phenomenal. Yeah. The fans are absolutely phenomenal. It's heartbreaking. You know what's happening, or what's been happening over the past few years is heartbreaking for the Absolutely. fans. Absolutely. And, uh, so, you know, um, I was happy. I wasn't so happy when I met John Revy the next time when we were playing them. Don't tell you <laughs> well, what. Don't worry me. about Leeds United in this podcast. I will, I, I will <laughs> not tell you what he called me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Willie, when you when you're talking about what you knew Pat Crean through the Scottish connections and Celtic Football Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Dennis now? I've been a lifelong fan of Dennis. I loved his charisma. And like you, he had a love of, of everything to do with Manchester United. Uh, for the younger fans listening, could you maybe spend a few minutes telling us uh, how good Dennis Law really was when he was playing at that time in the 60s? Dennis Law was fantastic. A striker, or a centre-forward. They didn't call him strikers back then. He was a centre-forward. And he could leak... He, he was brilliant, Dennis, but he was a good all-round player. Not he wasn't just a goal scorer. He was a good all-round player as well. Um, in fact, we were talking about him. Paddy, Paddy and Noreen were around last Saturday. It was my grandson's birthday, and right. Paddy and Noreen and the, the the daughter Lorraine came round for the birthday. We were sat in the garden, I think, drinking too much wine between us. <laughs> and we were chatting about Dennis. Uh, and Diane, his wife, you know, he's not been too well, but we were talking about getting together and having a little dinner party, getting Dennis and Di and, you know, Paddy and Noreen and my wife Kay and I. So he was, he was, he was a great player. I mean, Dennis playing now, 
to be for, well, it wouldn't be phenomenal because there's, there's no service. No. You know, there's no wingers. There, there's no wingers. The, as soon as you were talking about, I mean, all I ever did was, and the thing about Matt Busby, everyone said, oh, he must have been a genius, all these tactics. And I said, he didn't have any tactics. Matt didn't have any tactics. Yes. Just, the reason you're playing is because you're the best. Just go and enjoy it. And yeah. that was it. Yes, George. Saw. George said that too, Willie. Absolutely. And then and you he... never saw him till full yeah. time. He didn't come yeah. in at half time. He didn't do it. You never saw him to full time. It was a different, you know. And of course, my my object, ninety nine percent of the time, was to go past the fullback on the outside and get the ball in the box. Yeah. But nowadays they don't even come inside; they just go backwards or sideways or wherever they go. I don't. I know it's it's hard to believe. It's hard, hard to believe. It's yeah, it is indeed. Uh, but uh, back then, I mean, there were, everyone played in the position. Everyone played in the position. It's not, you know, and don't forget, there's no coaches. It's just the manager. Yeah. And you had to justify playing your position, which we, which we did. Um, I don't know if you know the story with George. When George got sent off, we were playing Chelsea, down at Chelsea, Stamford yeah. Bridge, an evening match. And George got sent off. Uh, the Chelsea scored the first goal. We actually beat them with 10 men. But they scored the first goal. And Osgood blatantly fouled Dave Sadler and then scored the goal. And, of course, we were all protesting to the referee. And uh, George kept protesting, protesting, protesting. And, again... Obviously not for the, the listeners or the viewers. Um, I'll tell you what he called them. <laughs> and so he then stopped walking back to line up to kick off again and uh, sent George off. So we we had the tribunal. This this was after this was when Frankie Farrell was manager. Right. And, um, so George, nobody would help him. So he said, "Will you say I was talking to you?" I said, well, we man, I'm like 50 yards away from you on the right wing. You're on the left wing. He said, well, just say I was shouting. And I said, okay. And we went to this tribunal. And it was yeah, uh, that pathetic. You know, these bloody knobs sat around the table. Yeah. And they never called you by first name. Morgan, come in. Okay. And they had like Sabutio players. Uh, where were you? I said, oh, I was there. And where was Best? I said, oh, he was there. And you're telling us that he was shouting. I said, yeah. I said, it was terrible. I was really upset. Oh, I said, I was so upset, you know, because I thought we were pals. And obviously calling me that was disgraceful. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't wait till the end of the going. <laughs> and, said, and where was the referee? I said, oh, he was like there between us. And he must have mistaken that George was talking to him. Mm -hmm. no, no, he got off. He got off. The wee man got off. The luck of the Irish, Willie. Well, hey. well tell, tell us this. During, during your period, of course, the, the club got relegated for the first time. That was very difficult for all us fans going through that period. Uh, but how determined were all the players, and yourself in particular, to get back up into the big league, the first division, immediately the, the following season? Well, as you know, we did. And 
it was heartbreaking because I was going off to play in the World Cup. Yeah, 74, uh, yeah. 70, yeah, and as we got relegated. And I had played for, I think, from January to May with injections and strappings and all sorts. And I ended up with the worst. Jesus, I couldn't walk. I could hardly walk. Uh, the mm -hmm. groin, bad groin state. So when I joined up with the Scotland squad after at the end of the season, I spent, the, we joined up, I think, about four or five weeks before we went to Germany. And I spent all the time getting just getting treatment. I couldn't play, I couldn't walk. Uh, but it was, it was, you know, the following season, we broke every away record for attendance. The United yes. fans, they were phenomenal. They were absolutely phenomenal. And yeah. as you know, we came straight back up. But it was you know, we yeah. were lucky to go down. We, were, we, we didn't play that bad. It just, everything, no matter what it was, you got beat 1-0, you got beat 2-1. Uh, bad decision. Referee didn't give that. It was, you know, just one of those things. And all of a sudden, you, you say, well, we're in relegation. Uh, but we shouldn't have been. We were too good. We shouldn't have gone down, I tell you. And that's why we came straight back up when the league came straight back up. So... Yeah, but it was, in fact, yeah. you know, I watched the other night, uh, was it Saturday? I was actually watching ITV racing the, in the morning. And then the big match, they have the big match thing, which I, I didn't know, big, big match revisited, Brian Moore. And it was our first game in the second game. Brian Moore, yeah. Against Leighton Orient. And that, I just sat and watched it. <laughs> I hadn't seen it before. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. No, I, I, you know, going down was, was heartbreaking, but coming up was phenomenal. Well, I think, Willie, that in that season, the fans were more determined than ever to support the club because they were down a division. I, I attended eight games that season. In fact, I went to Burnley. It was the first United away game that I had seen. And Lou McCarry scored the only goal. I think it was on Easter Monday. And it was the first time I heard that chant, oh, what fun it is to see United win away. I don't know whether you played in that game. We beat Manchester City 3-1 on the Saturday and then went to Turf Moor and won 1-0 on the, the Monday night. Uh, I probably did. I, yeah, I mean, I don't remember, to be honest, Nigel. Yeah. It's so long ago. In fact, I didn't even remember the late Norwich match. I'm sat watching <laughs> watched myself scoring. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, it's, there were so many games. My God, uh, it's difficult to remember. In fact, I had someone on asking to do something. He said, do you remember when Man United played Wales? I said, played Wales? How can we play Wales? <laughs> he said, you did. I said, really? When? when? It's in Indian Park. And he said, you beat us 2-0. You beat Wales 2-0. And you scored. Uh, I said, really? I, I don't even remember the match. Kyle, it's terrible, isn't it? No. Right. Yeah. Well, Willie, one, one final question in this part of the, the, the cast. Um, what do you reckon was your best performance in a red shirt? What was the fixture and what was the significance of it? Uh, <clears throat> there was many. There was many. Just pulling on the red shirt and walking on the pitch was phenomenal in itself, Nigel. Absolutely mm -hmm. phenomenal. The game, there were so many games. We had great games. I think, I don't know, it, it's difficult to pick. 
pick one. I think when we beat Liverpool 1 0, maybe at Old Trafford, and I scored the goal. Always good to beat Liverpool, yeah. Oh, it's good for anyone to beat Liverpool. Um, we, we support anyone to beat Liverpool. <laughs> indeed, uh, indeed, yeah. And that hasn't changed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I scored the, the only goal when we beat them 1 0. Um, but the, the, there were just so many great moments. So many, many great moments. You know, my my time. I cherish my time at Old Trafford. Well, well can I finally say that it was an absolute privilege to see you in the flesh. Your commitment to the club, your passion for everything red was always obvious to me. And that's why the song was chanted week in and week out. And thank you yeah. so much so far for your input. It's a pleasure, Nigel. Anytime. So you also played for Burnley um, before you came to United and afterwards as well. Would you, do you hold the same affection for Burnley as you do for Manchester United? I, my time at Burnley, don't forget, I went there when I was 15. I'd come from a little mining village, Kyle. Uh, there was no TVs, no telephones, no bikes, no cars, no balls. We used a tin can. We used to play in the street with a tin can. And then at 15, I was going down the pits. I was going to be a miner. All my family are miners. Right. Uh, well, well, my choice was to go down the pits or be a priest. And, uh, well, my dad wanted me to be a priest. You know, he, that mm-hmm. was because my cousin, William Ferguson, he was a priest. And he's, oh, anyway, I said, no, I'll go down the pits. So our education was basic back then. As long as you knew your catechism, you were all right. Uh, the rest, they didn't care because all you did was go and dig coal. Mm-hmm. So when I left, when I left home and went to Burnley, it was like, my God, you know, inside toilet, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was amazing. And my, 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 my dad didn't want me to sign for Burnley. It, it's a long story. I was going to go around, visit. The, there was Burnley, United... Chelsea, Arsenal, Blackpool, Newcastle. And then I was going to go back home and sign for Celtic. Right. That's what I was going to do at 15. I was going to sign for Celtic. And I went to Berlin and I broke a bone in my toe. So instead of being there for two weeks, uh, I was there for six weeks. And then, you know, Harry Potts, they, they were all nice. My dad thought, you know, they're English, they'll kill you. They'll, they'll kill you when you're sleeping, you know. <laughs> he still thought we were at war with, with England. Um, uh, Harry Potts was lovely. And he said, you know, I'd love you to stay. And I said, well, you, you speak to my dad, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I told my dad he was heartbroken because he wanted me to go back home. So my, my first time at Burnley was great. We were on the ground staff with all the other lads, Brian Rooney, Stanton, and Bill Porter, loads of Danny Hood. It, we had great times, great fun. And it, initially, it was really good. Um, even up until I left. The, the problem with Burnley was that Bob didn't want to pay you any money. Um, I was on, I think when I left Burnley, I was on £20 a week. And I went to Man U on £165 a week, which right. was a fortune. Yeah. Um, 
So, no, I'm first there, but I, I, it was, it was good up until the end when, when Bob Lord, uh, you know, again, it's a family show. I can't tell you what he called me. It started <laughs> with you Scottish and, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, that obviously served it. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, when I fell, fell out with Doherty, the, I wasn't going to go back to Burnley. I, I, I didn't want to move house. I wouldn't move house. Because mm-hmm. my kids were at school here in Altrincham, uh, where I'd lived at the time. And uh, I wanted somewhere that I could travel to. And the only cho- the choices I had, I could have gone to Man City or I could have gone to Leeds again. Mm-hmm. And anyway, Jimmy Adamson came over and said, you know, I'd love to have you back. I said, well, I can't, Bob Lord, you know, you know what he called me, you know what he did, you know. He said, oh, he wants to, he wants to say sorry and, and really, okay. Mm. Um, and then I got a phone call from Mick Somerby. Right. You know, yeah, George was saying. He said, yeah. said, said you're going to come to Burnley. He said, I'm going to sign for them. He was at Man City at the time. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to sign for them. Come, come on, it'll be great. The two of us can go and I said, oh, okay. Uh, so that's why I re-signed for them. And then I signed a six-year contract. And then within a year, Jimmy Anderson got the sack. Bob Lord sacked him. Right. And, of course, I didn't want to stay there. Uh, it was a long commute from here, uh, like 40-odd mile every day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so going back was a mistake. Going back was a mistake. But my time there was great. My time there was great. Time at Man United. In fact, everywhere I've been, I mean, Bolton was fantastic. Ian Greaves was a great manager. And we had a, we had a, a super team. You know, like Frank Worthy up front, uh, Peter Thompson on the left wing, Tony Dunn. Tony Dunn was there at that stage, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, we had a great team and we, yeah. we, uh, we did very, very well. So now I have no regrets of anywhere, but of course the, the biggest thing was Man United and still to this day it, it's amazing where you get fan mail from China and <laughs> America yeah, and yeah, yeah. how to find you, I don't know how to get your address Well Willie, did you play outside right, did you play wide on the right right to the end of your career or did you change no. your game like Giggsy did at the end and move back a bit or No, I had to, if you remember the, the wingless wonders when England won the World Cup Yeah yeah. Called them Ralph Ramsey's Wingless Wonders. Correct. And it was the start of coaches. The coaches had just come into the game in the 70s, obviously, this. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to play it. They wanted you to, to tuck in and break wide and tuck in. Break. And you had to because they, they stopped. They just stopped the game as we knew it. And if you didn't, adapt. So I actually played as an old right half, even right. though they, they called it right midfield then, they, they changed it. Yeah. Where Paddy Crairn used to play for a while. Yeah? Paddy was right half, number four, yeah, yeah. yeah Patrick. Um, so, yeah, I had to adapt like everyone else, uh, but I still broke wide when I could. Of course, yeah. natural instinct. Well, that was that's what I knew. That was, you know, the way I played. But it was okay. It worked. Uh, the only thing that that's ruined the game 
as far as I know it, uh, coaches. The advent or the, in, the invention or the advent of coaches, whatever they want to call themselves, they've destroyed the game as we knew it. I agree. They've destroyed mm -hmm. the game. The people who couldn't play try to tell people how to play. That's a joke. <laughs> Somebody who can't play, tell, yeah. tell yeah. someone. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely. And they control the game. It's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. You know what? Matt Busby couldn't get a job now because he doesn't have a coaching badge. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah. get a job. None yeah. of the great managers, Joe Mercer, Stan Cullors, Bill Shankly, mm -hmm. they wouldn't get a job. Yeah. Bill Nicholson, yeah. Bill, it's crazy. Yeah. Coaches. Um, and of course, we're going through it at the moment at Old Trafford. It's uh, mind boggling. I mean, the, I want to know, what, <laughs> I want to know who brought in the German because. He had never heard of him. We, he was absolutely useless beyond belief. Uh, okay. I want to know who appointed him because he's the one that should get the sack. Whoever appointed him. I've been trying to find out, Kyle, but they won't tell me. <laughs> um, and then when they appoint this guy, I didn't know who this guy is either. I mean, I'd never heard of him. And you think, okay, well, let's wait and see. Hopefully, he's going to have to get rid of 10 players. He should have got the ten players. He's got rid of three. Should have got yeah. Rid of 10. Yeah. There's a whole lot of draws has to go, Willie. Okay, go through. The, I don't want to go through the card. I'm going to do it. But when he came and he uh, soon took the job and said, "I don't want the German in this club. I don't want him looking over my shoulder." And I thought, okay, well, that, I like that. At least he's got some bottle. He's not frightened. And then we play the first game this season. He puts Ronaldo as a sub. What's that all about? Ronaldo is a sub. Then he comes out after the match. And again, I come back, he's another coach. He's just another coach. Just another coach. Mm -hmm. Anyone in the right mind. Ronaldo is still one of the best finishers in the game. No matter how old he is, he's one of the mm -hmm. best finishers in the game. Then he comes out after the match and said, oh, I've got to justify why I left him out. Because he wasn't match fit. Okay? Well, if he wasn't match fit, why is he on the bench? Should be on the bench. Good point, yeah. Right? If he is on the bench, uh, and he was worried about getting... You start with him. You don't bring him on when you're 2-0 down. Mm -hmm. You don't bring him on then. It's too late. You start with him. And play him for 45 minutes and then take him off and give him a rest if he's not fully fit to play 90 minutes. You've got to start with him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you start with your best lineup, your best goal scorer, get in front and then take him off. It's ludicrous. It's just stupid. It's a coach, though. That's how they think. So yeah. I'm afraid, as much as I was hoping that this guy is going to change things, and he's still got Shaw, and he's still got Martial, he's still got Maguire, he's still... Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, what, what do you make of this farcical transfer window? We're being linked with players who are just not United quality, like Marco Winautovic and uh, Adrian Rabio. Um, fans are getting very frustrated. It's another, it seems like the scattergun approach again. We're just being linked with absolutely everybody in the final weeks of the window. We thought we were we were told that these days were over with Woodward's departure and Matt Judge's departure, but it's just the same old story, isn't it? Same old story. 
you know what what you have to appreciate you know as much as i don't like american owners um clubs should belong to the supporters let them buy it let them bring it uh but the the one thing they know nothing about football They're nothing the american owners not a thing that's mm -hmm. why they're appointing people and, and putting people in charge to run the club who have no idea either because they don't know the only thing that i you know you can't say well they're not putting the money up we've spent over a billion pound on players so they've actually give each coach money to buy players they're just buying rubbish they're buying rubbish it's heartbreaking I mean, they're, they're now fishing around. It's, it's, oh, I don't know. It's I, desperation. I, 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 I went looking for my boots, Kyle. I've been up in the attic looking for my boots. That's <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. come back. We would need you. I tell you what, Willie, you would have crossed in more balls on, on Sunday afternoon than anybody else did playing up front oh, there. It, it's heartbreaking, honestly. To watch somebody wide go to your foot and then turn and pass it backwards the no man i don't understand it exactly i don't understand it and you know the ronaldo saga it, it's it's twofold one if any player at the club when matt was manager without a doubt any player said well i'm not sure where i want to sign up if you'd be gone within a day Correct. gone gone that's number one. That didn't happen. And then they persuade them to stay. Uh, he doesn't want to stay. But I understand his reason. He looks at the team, thinks, even if I am playing, how many chances am, am I going to get to score? Are we going to win anything? No. Mm -hmm. So from his point of view, it is his age. I understand why he wants to leave and go somewhere where he's in a team that's going to be winning and got a chance to win something. At his age, because he ain't got, you know, it's going to be a couple of years left at most. Uh, so I understand his reason, but he shouldn't be, you know, oh, I don't want to play. I don't. Just go. Yeah. Just go. Well, uh, my, feeling, my feeling on that, Willie, is that he should have indicated to the club at the end of last season in May that yeah. he one season he got 24 goals, made a contribution, but the club wasn't going anywhere next season and the new manager was coming in and had to start and get the dressing room back to everybody committed to playing under a new team there's a bit well, of a cloud on the new on this current team because Ronaldo's still there you know well it, it, well the cloud you know we had it with Pogba and that dummy of an agent he had every other week oh well he's leaving he didn't want he's gone somewhere he, he's, get rid of they should have got rid of him years ago I, uh, but the fact he did nothing anyway, mm -hmm. and he, he did nothing. He was mm -hmm. a donkey. He was. Um, and he was better than Matic. Um, glad he's gone, you know. <laughs> it, it's, you, you cannot have a player disrupting the club because the other players see it and think, well, he can do it. Why shouldn't I do it? Yeah. He's not going to tell me off if he's not going to tell me. And it's stupid. It's stupid. Um, but again, you know, it came back, you know, I, I did my own podcast and I've said many times, I criticise, but I'm not sure 
does um, I keep saying manager, the coach, do they have the ability? Is it their job to sign players or pick players or sell players? Or is someone, you know, upstairs yeah. telling people what to do, buying and selling, and it's not the manager? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, whatever it is, it's all wrong at Man United at the moment. And it just looks like, you know, a new manager, or a new coach coming in, you say, okay, everyone knows who he has to get rid of. Every supporter. Yeah. Every single one uh, knows, get rid of these people. They're not good enough. And start again, okay? We'll give you three years. We know you need to build. You know you need to. And the supporters, you know, they're not stupid. They understand the game. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, he'll do that. He's got, he's got to see why he's, you know, why he got the job in the first place. Because the players are not good enough. He's got to come in, and he didn't. He got ready three, and I don't know. It's, I don't know what the answer is. You know, I wish I did. I wish the, I did. the problem is Willie that the our rivals are owned by nation states and billionaires. We're, we're owned by people who take money out of the club. Half the profits go towards dividends and paying off debt. We can no longer compete with the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea and Liverpool now. And I don't see us winning the Premier League so as long as the, the Glazers are here. No, I, I agree with that. But even with money, I mean, the richest club in the country now is Newcastle. I believe, I believe that they are even richer than Man City and the other ones. They're not going to win the league because it's just not the place to buy. Who do you buy? Other than Lionel Messi. Go and break the bank and bring Lionel Messi to Old Trafford. And I'll come back and watch. Uh, I'd break the bank, bring Messi. Just one, just one, because at least, you know, you're going to see something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but other than that, who do, you, who do you buy? There's not that many. I mean, it's all right saying there's money to spend. Maguire, 90 million. Yeah. I've, got three, I've got three trees in my garden that are quicker than them. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Willie, we're urgently looking for a centre-forward, and you've just made the point. Where do you go to get a decent centre-forward at the moment? Where do you get them? Where'd Man get City them? and Liverpool have already got them. Mm-hmm. Nunes and Holland. Well, I I tell you who I would like. I'd like Salah. I'd like Salah <laughs> at Old Trafford. <laughs> he, he, would be, he would be brilliant at Old Trafford. He would, yeah, yeah. He would yeah. be brilliant at Old Trafford for yeah. me. But again, it's who you. No one man can do. Even Lionel Messi, even Pele, they can't do it on their own. You still need no. people around you to play with. And they don't have them. Their midfield is a joke. I mean, the back four. You could take a double decker bus through the back four, but the midfield. It's awful. There's just nothing. So anyone who plays up front, they don't get the service. You know, I I feel for Ronaldo because he's looking at it and thinking, well, where am I going to score goals? Who's going to provide the chances for me? Correct, yeah. Um, I understand this situation, but you shouldn't be holding the club to ransom. That shouldn't be allowed. You should let them go. The problem is that no nobody seems to want him, you know, I know. because of his age. But I, like you said, there the midfield is just a disgrace. You, know, you compare McTominay and Fred with Keane and Skulls. I mean, the, the, the difference in quality is just massive there. 
Well, why don't you compare them with Crown and Styles? Yeah, yeah, I and remember Bobby, that. And Crown yeah. and Bobby Charlton. They're mm -hmm. not the same world, but we know that. We 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 know that. I mean, the the just. I, I the coaches they're made by coaches for coaches. They they have no natural ability. They don't think for themselves. Everything's done. I guarantee he's got a board. You play there. You, you guarantee all coaches. They be yeah. playing it on the blackboard before they go out. It's mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking. There's, there's no one just seem to get the ball, beat someone. Beat someone, take someone out of the game, and then go with it because eventually, obviously, you get two onto one because you've taken this guy out. So you've now got 10 men against nine men. So, excluding yeah. the goalies, obviously. Um, but they don't. As soon as they get, pass mm -hmm. it back, pass it back, pass it back. I don't understand the, uh, the mentality. It's, um, and, and, you know, I thought Rashford was going to make, and I know he's, str he's struggling, but he looked yeah. like he could have been very, very good at one stage a couple of years ago. But even he's struggling. But the other ones, oh, Martial, he's got a couple of goals and friendlies. He's useless. He is useless, yeah. Why very is easy. There? Why is yeah. he still there? Yeah. Fred, you just mentioned him. McTominay, uh, Shaw, Wan Bissaka, Maguire. And, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going through the team. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's just it, I don't know. And you know, we we obviously I see supporters every every day when I'm down the golf course, yeah. and they just <laughs> really, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. I, I really I really don't know. So well, Willie, Willie, what about the the pitch comparison? I mean, when you look back on the pitches oh. that you and George played as ball players, <laughs> attacking players. And you had to get up. You were kicked. The, it was a, a mud bath. You got up. You played on. You beat another man. You crossed it. Look at the pitches. They've everything going for them, but they just can't play, can they? You know the one thing, and you get asked this all the time. Nigel, they get asked, and I'm sure George, if he was still here, be the same. Uh, do you wish you were playing now? Uh, yes, I would love to play now and pick up the wages, and I would love to play in the pitches. Do I want to play with these players? No. I don't want to play with them. They can't play. I wanted to play with the players I played with. Yeah, they were exactly. all great. There were so many great players back in the 60s and early 70s. Great, great players. And they don't have that anymore. Yeah, the money, yeah, of course. Wouldn't we all? Uh, but the pitches are phenomenal. They have no idea, Nigel, what we played in. Mm. The mud. I remember. I've been mean, after August when the season started. September, October onwards, just mud. <laughs> every mm. every pitch you played in, yeah. or bone hard. I yeah. mean, the, the, even on uh, the start of the season. I mean, I watched that match, the late Orient match at late Orient. The pit, it was bone hard. The ball was bumping and bouncing all over, <laughs> all mm. over the place. These they have no idea how good the pitches are. These lads, no idea. I and I speak for and I'll tell you, I do speak for George. But he would love to play these pitches as I would. Mm -hmm. As Bobby and Paddy, not all of them. Dennis, 
can imagine Dennis playing in. Oh, fabulous. And yeah. you know, you look at the goalkeepers, the people comparing goalkeepers. Back then, they didn't have any gloves. Bare hands. Yeah. In the middle of winter. Yeah. <laughs> Blue fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the keepers were phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I think Schmeichel was one of the greatest keepers. But you had gloves. I mean, there were sides of shovels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you remember Pat yeah. Jennings, Willie, the way he used to catch them with one? Mm. The, the three greatest goalkeepers I ever saw, Gordon Bates, played against two of them. Uh, the other one, Peter Schmeichel, I think, was brilliant. Great goalkeeper, playing any era. Gordon Bates, Pat Jennings, two greatest goalkeepers, greatest goalkeepers other than Schmeichel of all time. I think so. But yeah. Jones was fantastic. I mean, he had hands like shovels. He did. <laughs> he used to catch the ball. We weren't, you know, he's yeah, yeah. heartbreaking. He'd yeah. fire in a shot and he'd just, he'd get one hand yeah. and he'd well, laugh. He would. Well, I tell you what, Willie, I've, I've seen Big Pat play golf and he hits a mean golf ball. Yeah, I know he's a good player. And, and so is McFadden, by the way. Is he? Yeah. Oh, he hits the ball miles. Yeah, Brian. He hits the ball miles. And a great lad, massive Man United supporter, great lad. Uh, he's out in the road at the moment, they're singing somewhere. So, uh, but we, we play a lot of golf, and but he hits the ball miles. He, um, he's off eight as well, plays off eight. Very good. Right. Very good. Yeah, good golfer. Sorry to dive back to golf here, Kyle. Okay, is there is there any of the younger players in the current squad give you any hope, like Jaden Sancho, for example? Next question. Is that a no? <laughs> I, I, the the one young lad that looked like he was going to do something, the kid that's up on trial. His name, the the lad's on trial with the girl. Greenwood, oh, yes, yes, you know, he looked and I thought, okay, yeah, he goes forward and beats somebody, scores. He got yeah. the makings, got the makings of a great player, yeah. And it's so sad that that is so sad. I don't yes. know what's going to happen, but whatever, yeah, he, he had the makings, but other than that, I, I don't know. And you know, the problem is you, you bring the young lads into the team, but they're playing with rubbish, mm -hmm. they, they get no help. It's not like coming into the old team. You know, if you've got Paddy Crown and, and, and Nobby Stars and Bobby Charlton and you bring a kid in, he's got yeah. people to play with and help of course. him. Of course. You bring a young lad in now, he's on his own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of the, the Liverpool team of the 90s and the noughties. They had a couple of good players, but the rest of them were just bang average and, and that's the way we are now and that's why we're down in sixth position in the league. Well, uh, I'd love to finish sixth. <laughs> the worst. I mean, yeah. the, ma the match on Sunday was a disgrace. Was a disgrace. I mean, Travis in Manchester United. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. That's it. The biggest heartbreak. Ronaldo's on the bench. If you're going to keep him, you play him. Mm -hmm. And he gets tired, take him off. If he gets tired, you take him off. You don't wait till you're 2 0 down, like I said before. Then bring mm -hmm. him on. He's going to change. The you know, he's not a miracle worker. Yeah. Um, it's just stupid, stupid. I was going to say management again. He's yeah. not a manager; he's a coach. Yeah. Uh, he no, I, 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 
I don't like them. He I played Ericsson as a false nine and that experiment totally backfired. He, he put him back in midfield in the second half when he when he brought Ronaldo on. Ronaldo oh. created a chance for Rashford almost right away. I know. Typically, Rashford won a one with the goalkeeper. You know, the goalkeeper saves it. You know, yeah. we knew that was going to happen. But Ericsson's not a set. Of, you know what you you can't do is blame the player. He's not a set of forward in a million years. No, in a million years, uh, you can't blame him. But again, it's a coach. What what did they look at? How how did he? I, I don't understand what they look at and say. Well, you got this midfield player. That good midfield player, you're not great, but he's good. I'm going to play him certain forward. Really? <laughs> and he said, Well, Ericsson played centre forward for Ajax, but that was like 10 years ago, and it's in the Eredivisie. You're at Manchester United, you're in the Premier League now. Playing a player like Ericsson up front just doesn't work. He's a creative player, and he's not a centre forward. He's not a centre forward by any standards. And you know, you play, I don't care who you play there. Then you look at the midfield. Who's going to create chances for you? Yeah. Fred, McTominay? No. <laughs> They're not going to create chances. They're just average. Yeah. Average. And I'm being kind. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier on when you said when you signed for Sir Matt and you came into that great team and Matt said, go out and enjoy yourself, play your game, get involved. And that's what you did, Willie. Nowadays... It, they're coached out of it now. If they have individual talent, they have to get into this coaching and they go further back from, Kyle, from the striking position. It doesn't start at the football clubs. It starts at schools. You've got school teachers with coaching badges. Five-year-old kids, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. They get coached from going on a pitch. Don't dribble. Don't take any Don't lose the ball. It's stupid. You know, mm -hmm. in my day, all you had to do Anywhere in the world, go to school, ask the kids, who's the best player in the school? Kyle is. Who's the next best? Nigel. Who's the next? They'll tell you every player the best right the way through. Mm -hmm. Ask the kids because they know. But coaches, they get coached from being kids into, they can't think, they don't think for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why when they get confronted with an opponent, they turn and pass it, pass it off. It's, it, yeah. But that's a coach that's coached into them from being kids, so it's not necessarily their fault. Um, for me, as I said, they've ruined the game as we knew it. Is is a spectacle, and you know you could go to a match, and even finish nil nil, you see some great moments. You see somebody beating three or four players, or somebody beating a great pass, or a great, you know. It wasn't just all about goals. I mean, at the end of the day, of course, we want to win. We want to score. But you saw great, and you come away and say, oh, do you remember when Bobby Down hit that? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there were great. You, there's none of them now. None. But in my in my day, Willie, you and, and Bestie would have put 10,000 on the gate every week at Old Trafford, bringing it up. Do you remember when the, uh, it was 63,000? 63,500. Yeah. And you couldn't get us. You guys were captivating, wonderful, exhilarating, talented uh, footballers. That's the difference was, today. It was, yeah, you know, and you're going back to Matt. Just before, you know, when before I went out, I said, I signed on the Saturday morning. And he said, you're going to stay and watch the match? I said, oh, uh, Mr. Busby, I'm playing golf at 2 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's big golf. And he said, 
said, yeah, it, it's a competition. Oh, I said, okay, no problem. We'll see you on Monday. We'll see you on Monday. And I went back and played. played. They got beat 4-0, by the way, if you remember. Yeah. Chelsea yeah. beat them 4-0. Mm -hmm. So I played on the, on the Wednesday. I made my debut against Spurs. Mm -hmm. Cyril Knowles. Nice one, Cyril. In the left, left back, back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're still looking for him. I buried him. <laughs> we uh, I think we beat him two 0 and that was my my debut. And I said, "Oh, Matt just said, you know, I was a bit apprehensive because I hadn't been training. I wasn't allowed to do any preseason training with Burnley. Right. Uh, I just kept myself fit, playing golf and you know do do a little bit of running, but I wasn't didn't any. And he said, "The reason you're here, son, is you're the best in the world. Just go out and enjoy it." That's all you have to do. Just go out and enjoy it. Um, and that, it was that simple. And I said, when I walked out that night and the crowd started chanting, it was, it was phenomenal. I didn't need anything else. It was phenomenal. But you, um, you were an entertainer, Willie, let's face it. And, and, and the crowd was, just did. Yeah, but there were a lot of players in that year. And, and you know, there were lots of them, great entertainers and great players. Yeah, uh, um, and I say United had a load of them, a load of them. You know, just a great team, uh, and we still see. I say, we still see each other. The ones that are still here, yeah. we still meet up. See Stepney now and again. I say, Dennis, right. we're going to get together. Craig, I see him. Yeah, uh, Bobby. Bobby was a member at uh, the Mere where I play. But right. he's not been playing recently. I've not seen seen no, Bobby. We all we all still. Nobody moved. You know, mm -hmm. everyone stayed in the area. Yeah. When, when they retired, they're all still here. Yeah. Well, Willie, what, what about your big mate, big Jim Houghton, six foot two? That was tragic uh, when he died Jim. so young. Jim. <laughs> he was a character. You know, Summer, he was a great guy. He was a great, great, great guy. I used to, I used to give him a lift up to Scotland um, when we were going to play for Scotland. Because he lived on the on the way to Glasgow, he lived in a little village just on the way in, and I would go up and stay the night in the hotel with the, the rest. And Jim would stay at his house on the uh, Saturday night, and then meet up on the Sunday morning with the squad to go off to Lawrence. Mm -hmm. So we became very very friendly. Uh, he was a he was a great guy and a good player. A hell of a player. player. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Always. Uh, uh, Lovely to remember Malcolm McDonald played for Newcastle, sent forward. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, he was at Newcastle at the time, and we're playing them at Old Trafford. And we come into pitch, and Malcolm, oh, Willie, how are you? How are things? I said, oh, it's great, Malcolm. I said, Malcolm, what, what did you say about Jim Houghton? And he said, what, what do you mean? I, I, I said, well, you must have said something bad. I said, he's talking about killing you. And he said, what? I didn't say anything. What what we said? I said, I said, oh, you, you better have a word with him because he wants to break you. <laughs> I, I don't want to play against him because Jim was sent half at the time. Yeah. Bit, you know, nobody said anything. I was just winding him up. No. Um, he died too young, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, heartbreaking. The other lad I see still, Jim McCallion. Remember Jim? Oh. I do. It's got his midfielder, yeah. Yeah, still see, talk to Jim. He was down uh, not, not so long ago with his wife. 
Great player, great guy. But, you know, there, there were back then. Um, the players were great. We all, mixed. we all played golf, or most of us played golf. Mm. Uh, that's the only thing that George didn't do that he should have done. He was a good, great table tennis player, George. Right. Um, and but he didn't take up golf. Should have done. Mm-hmm. Should have yeah. done. Um, but we all we all got on. And Matt was like your dad. Mm-hmm. When I was at Burnley, you weren't allowed to speak to the directors or the manager unless they spoke to you. Oh, they had to speak to you first. Yeah. And then I came, and after the the match on the Wednesday night, Crown said. Well, we're going uptown. We're going up to this little Italian restaurant. And he said, uh, Martin Jean and tennis. And I said, the gaffer? He said, yeah, why? He said, we go out every Saturday when we've got a home game as well. We go out for, for dinner. <laughs> I said, with the manager. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie seems to be frozen there, unfortunately. Well, he's a good memory. He remembers all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, lots of good stories there. Mm, yeah. Well, it's good for the younger listeners to know what, what a football team really was in those days. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it was good to hear some stories about Best law in Charlton there. Um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Because with Charlton and Dennis, with uh, Bobby and Dennis being so ill now, Kyle, you don't know how long they'll be with us, you know? Yeah. um, I know, given their current, I think both uh, Bobby and Dennis both have dementia now, don't they? Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I would have loved to have had, you know, both of them or one of them on the podcast, but it's probably not going to be possible now, unfortunately. Unfortunately not, yeah. Well, we can see now if uh, Willie's able to sign back in again. Right, okay. Um, yeah, but in the meantime, we'll we'll keep talking. So it's, yeah. we're light years away from being a successful team again, aren't we? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so frustrating, you know, it's just, uh, but he, he, he can see with people like Shaw, they're simply not good enough, you know. He knows that a left back has to mark the, the winger tightly, and uh, he just doesn't do it. You know how many chances to give the guy? I know. I, I hope that he he, he starts Malasaya against Brentford at the weekend now because Shaw he gives Shaw a chance and he didn't take it. So you like to think that he he start his own signing now in in the next game. Uh, and that midfield of Backfred Chimney cannot start another game. There's just no way. No, um, no. This is the fifth season now of them too, mm. uh, and they've started off as badly as they finished the previous season. So he needs to look at other options now, like Garner and Van der Beek, like you said yourself. Yeah, oh, I'd I'd love to see that. I'm beginning to have my doubts now whether we we can actually play Erickson and Bruno in the same eleven. I don't know, you know, just because they're two names doesn't look to me as if we can adapt and play both of them because uh, Bruno's not mm. form; hasn't been for a long, long time. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Hello, Willie. We lost you there for a second. I know. It's. Uh, I think you needed a beer there, Willie. Did you? No, it's overheated. <laughs> no, I can't use these things, by the way. 
Okay, my wife. Oh, either, either can I can I see export? Uh, uh, oh, there uh, we go. So I've moved, obviously, because it overheated. Oh, right. right. Okay. So I was just going to ask you. I was just going to ask you. Um, is the one disappointment in your career is that you never got to to, to pull on the green and white hoops of Glasgow Celtic? You know, no, it it wasn't. My um, when I was fifteen, as I explained before, um, the Celtic signed me. Jimmy McGrory was the manager, mm-hmm. and then when I was eighteen and signing pro, because you you were a you weren't a full pro from fifteen to eighteen, and at eighteen you signed professional, and Jock Steen was the manager then. And he came and asked me if I would go back to Celtic then. Mm-hmm. And obviously I, I said, no, I'm staying at Burnley. And then when when I was on the transfer list with Burnley, um, 68, Jock came back again. And I actually went up to Parkhead, took my dad and met Sean Fallon. Yeah. Jock's right hand man, Sean Fallon. Mm. Um, and he showed me, my dad was over there. I mean, he, to be shown around Parkhead was, and meeting Jock's team for him was like meeting the Pope, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and I just, I just, I couldn't move back. I couldn't move back. Um, but at the time, I said the, the Leeds offer was on the, that's before Manu had come in. I mean, they only come in on the Friday and assigned on the Saturday, Manu. Mm-hmm. Um, so, would I have liked? Yes, I would. I would. Of course, I would like to play it just for my dad's sake more than anything else. That would have made what he wanted to do was uh, be born in Ireland, green blood, and play for Celtic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was his three wishes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for him, yeah, that's the only regret that I didn't do it for him. But for me, no, uh, I wouldn't change going to my new uh, to go back to Celtic as much as I love Celtic. Uh, my new was the, the right move. And it just sad how it ended with, with Docker Day. And of course, we ended up in the old Bailey, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. He sued me for libel. Um, and I don't get I was captain 74, 75 and we I just signed a new six year contract that year what age were you at that stage Willie? early 30s you were born in 44 weren't you? Mm -hmm. 74 I was born was that? (laughs) (laughs) okay 44, yeah, I was 30. I was 29, I was actually at the time. But I signed a new six year contract to take me, you know, to the end of my days. Yeah. Then the, the was to stay at Old Trafford, you know, after I finished playing. Uh, that was the, the plan. And then, of course, Doc, well, you know, he did he did Dennis, he did Paddy, he mm-hmm. did George Graham, and then he did Jim McCallog. And that was the uh, when he, uh, he went in to see him on behalf of Jim McCallyog and didn't realise it started on me. You know, I was still captain. We were top of the second division. We were looking great. 
and when when we actually went to court it was in 1970 well, uh, uh, I can't exact date I think 76 I was at Bolton at the time and uh, we subpoenaed the minutes of Manchester United's board meetings mm -hmm. and what he'd done um, he'd gone into a board meeting this is when I'm you know, we're still great pals, we're still I'm captain, we're playing great, we top the league, everything's fine. And because I had gone in on behalf to him, on behalf of Jim Holt, as captain, you know, and said, you know, in Jim Holt, Jim McCallier, yeah, yeah. who he wasn't he wasn't being very nice with. And he obviously decided it was my turn, without telling me, of course. So he'd gone to a board meeting and said, well, I've had Willie Morgan and, and he uh, he wants to leave. And uh, he said, you know, he's just signed a new six-year contract. He's our best player and we can't afford to let him go. And of course the board said, of course not, you know, <laughs> can't let him go. Don't forget, I know nothing about this. Mm -hmm. Till years later, when we subpoenaed the minutes, he then got back again, he did it three times. And said, "This is now when the the wound had opened, February-ish, February March, and I knew what he was doing. We were at loggerheads. He'd gone back in and said the same thing, uh, and said, and I reckon this is him now sent the board. I recommend we keep him. He's got a contract and he has to stay. And both, of course. And then at the end of the season." He, uh, he called me in and uh, said they were going on a, a close season tour to Australia, wherever, wherever, wherever. And he said to me that, oh, I see, you know, it's been a long, hard season. We've won the league. Get ready for next year. Um, we would like to pay for you and the kids, you know, wife, the kids to go on a holiday. You don't have to come on this tour because it's been a long, hard season and it'd be good for you to have a rest. And I said, okay, whatever, if that's what you think. I left his office, I went over to somebody's house and I'm driving back and it came on the radio. <laughs> William Morgan's been placed in the transfer list. <laughs> what? Anyway, that's how he got me. Terrible. And uh, then again, uh, I mean, I couldn't find them. I did look for them. Um, it was only four, three, four years, five years later, whenever when I did the uh, run on the TV and, and he sued me for libel. And we subpoenaed the minutes. And what he'd then done, he told me that they wanted to, they wanted the club was going to pay for, for a holiday for me, like I said. And then got the board director and said, uh, he, he's been in again and he said he's never going to kick another ball for Manchester United. That's it. And he said, no matter how, you know, how initiative the board, no matter how great he is, we, we can't afford, we're going to have to let him go. That's terrible. And I still don't know anything about, don't forget, it's years yeah, later yeah. I find this out for yeah. the for the, uh, the trial at the old Bailey. Um, yeah, very clever. Very clever little man, mm. because obviously, you know, I played golf with Matt 
three four times a week every week we go on holiday together with the families uh and uh, the council kept saying to me you know are you all right and i said yeah why why so he said well you know a bit of rumblings and i said no i'm fine um but he actually thought i'd i'd been in the doctor to ask him for a move and that's why they put me on the list she's a very clever little man um but he did he did quite a lot of players uh, I, i'm sure you know the history yeah, yeah. Uh, Dennis was the first. Dennis was the first. Dennis was watching television in, in Aberdeen the close season. <laughs> he came, he's been on the, put on the transfer list. He, said, what? <laughs> he, um, he uh, not a very nice man. Not a very nice man. But you know, and I've said a million times, if he had stayed on his manager of Man United, of Scotland, we could have won the World Cup in '74. We never got beat, you know. No, no, that's right. We're draws. And if he had stayed on, he, he obviously took the United job. But if he'd stayed on as manager, I think Scotland would have won the World Cup. He, he was he was great in small doses because yeah. he knew the game, you know. And again, he wasn't a coach. He yeah. mixed the team, blend. It's all about a blend. And he was very, very good that way. But yeah. he was an evil, evil man. Yeah. So anyway, we diverse, we diverse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could have been at Old Trafford well over ten years then if it wasn't for Tommy Doherty. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I was there seven. If I'd done that, I'd been twelve years, and I would have stayed on. Uh, you know, this manager or something like that, uh, with a view of obviously become the manager but it uh, changed my life changed my life but still here yeah yeah still here. well it was the club's loss Willie in my opinion and of course Jim Jim McCallio went on to play for Southampton who beat us in the final the following year after he was oh, I know I know hmm. um he keeps telling me about that <laughs> <laughs> I still think Bobby Stokes was offside Willie he was <laughs> Absolutely right. But, but then again, you know, when England won the World Cup, it's the only time in history a team had 13 players. Yeah. Referee, two linesmen. They all got foot winners' medals, you know. I wouldn't be surprised. And they all went to the reunions every year. <laughs> Tell me this, were you playing golf with Dennis Law? He said he went and played golf that day. He he no, I wasn't playing with Dennis that day. I know he did. He, I, I didn't see the match either, by the way. Um, I was playing golf at somewhere else. So, uh, no, I wasn't with Dennis. No, Dennis was playing golf. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know. And yeah, you know, one of my great pals, great yeah. pals, was Alan Ball. Yeah, yeah. We were we were great, great friends, Bolly and I. Great yeah. friends. Um, he covered some ground, didn't he, on the football pitch? He was up and down and up and down. He was very industrious. He was the best one-touch player that ever lived. Mm. That's, that's the, only, the only one, one-touch. He was brilliant, one-touch, one-touch. Uh, and the only player that's come close to him is Paul Scholes. Yeah. Scozy, great one-touch player as well. Wonderful. Yeah. Bolly, Bolly was the best. He, he was brilliant. 
Brilliant. Uh, Gidby guy. Gidby guy. Rubbish mm. golfer, by the way. So. <laughs> uh, and, and a rubbish gambler. Mm. He lost me more money than I could lose. The characters in those days, do you remember Stan Bowles was a great gambler and he used to come uh, in at half nine? I want to know how his horses got on at Ascot. Maybe. Uh, and, and, uh, we had one at Old Trap. Well, we all, quite, Did you? most of us had a bet. Not all of us, but the biggest gambler was Shea Brennan. Really? Yeah. The Waterford bomber. man. The bomber, yeah. yeah. He, was, he, uh, he did that. We, we were playing Southampton. Funny enough, you mentioned Southampton. It was the opening game of the season. And Shea was right back. And they had a left winger called John Sydenham, I think Sydenham. And he couldn't play, but he was quick. He couldn't mm. play. And they had Ron Davis. You remember Ron Davis? Yes, he scored a hat trick at Old Trafford. Yeah. And it's the first game of the season, Old Trafford. Beautiful day. Sydenham just kicked the ball past Shea four times, four crosses, four goals, before they were down at half time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So we come yeah. in and Jack Crompton was the trainer. I said, Matt never came to the dressing room at half time. Jack Crompton, he came in and we were all very quiet, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I said, 4 0 at half time, 4 1. Um, yeah. Anyway. And he said, that's a that absolute disgrace. Shay, I can't believe Shay. Where's Shay? Shay? Is he in the toilet? So <laughs> no, he's not there. He opened the door and there was a the, the dressing rooms were down a corridor, a little corridor. And at the top of the corridor there was a little phone booth with a public. <laughs> he opens the door and you can hear Bomber said, and what one to two thirty? Um Oh, gee, okay. I'll have three twenty-pound doubles and twenty-pound crumpets. Screaming them, get yourself in here! You get. I won't be a minute, Jack. Yeah, and yeah, and I'll have fifty-pound win on. Okay, thank you. And he comes down, and we are all sat in there, and of course, try not to laugh. Um, even though we're, it was four-one down, I think we were. Uh, and the guy scored the opening goal. Bestie took a free kick, and I scored the opening goal. And then they scored four goals before one day. So he comes into the dressing room, Shay, and Crompton is screaming at him. And he walks over to his, where he got changed, and he goes into his pocket, and he gets a packet of fags out. <laughs> he lights the fag, and Crompton's screaming, You're a What's wrong, Jack? What's wrong? She said, this guy, kick him. He said, Jack, I don't want to spoil these days. Having a great day, you know. It was the last time she ever played. <laughs> he never played again. He never played again. But he was a great character, you know. Uh, but they all were, you know, just great, great camaraderie, great fun in the dressing room. Everyone, everyone got on. Everyone. That's great. Uh, That's great. Anyway. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Willie. I'll let you get oh, back to the golf course now. <laughs> I just want to go out and play nine holes. Mm -hmm. It'd be perfect. It'd be very quiet. 
uh, all the golfers have gone home now. So I just got the fourth tee. I say I back on the fourth tee. So I've got to play nine holes. Uh, hopefully, hit the ball straight. Hopefully. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot, Willie. It, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's kind it's of, it's, pleasure. You're, you're a legend and always will be in my eyes. Uh, nice to meet you both. And anytime you want anything, just let me know. Cheers. Thank you. Will do. No problem at all. Okay. Uh, I'll give, see you later. Give my regards to all your listeners. And I don't know if you go on YouTube. Do you, do you... Yeah, yeah, this is broadcast on YouTube as well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. all the viewers and the listeners, pass on my, uh, my regards to all of you. Yeah, with two great guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Good night. Okay. Take Thank care. You. Bye bye. See you there.